Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Everybody all right? Man, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start with this other than I feel like we should start with scripture. Amen. We're going to have to read some God's word. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you guys would open up with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to see what happens. Uh, Ashley, are we okay? We'll see what happens. We almost lost a guitar. No big deal. We've got plenty of funds in our budget to cover a guitar. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're continuing our series on redefining love. This is the last one. Everybody say, Woo! It's, a, it's an exciting time for our church to spend this long in a sermon series, and, um, and I think it's actually been really, really helpful. I hope it's been helpful for you as we've been thinking, thinking a lot about redefining love. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is how Paul is finishing out this letter. It starts verse 12, is where we're going to start, and it's a little bit lengthy, so stay with me if you would. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Everybody say, what? And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. Everybody said, of course. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty in your sins. Everybody say, oh no. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. Everybody say, what? (laughs) Isn't this ridiculous? Okay. And if hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world, if that's all it is. But in fact, here's the good news. Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Let's get down to verse 54. When the perishable, which is us, so look, look, look to your left and right and say, you're perishable. Yeah, I know it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then that Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Somebody say thank you. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And all of God's children said... Amen. All right, so this is, this is like obnoxious enough that I think it's really going to work well for this sermon. So I'm going to apologize to you right now, Abby, because you're going to see basically, actually, this could be a really great seat because you never see me. So congratulations. <laughs> Love will be victorious. Somebody say amen. amen. Whoa, that's the good news. See, that's how this sermon series started, right? We spent a lot of time in this letter, been working on thinking about how Jesus redefines love. See, the world defines love much differently, right? Like we would say, and I often do, I love brisket at Midwood Smokehouse. <laughs> I, I love brisket at Midwood Smokehouse. And I'll tell you something, if we were to get sponsored by anything, I wouldn't want it to be Gibson Guitars, hashtag Gibson Guitars, or 
Fender guitars, hashtag Fender guitars. It would be Midwood Smokehouse, man. You send us some Smokehouse brisket. Anyway, the way the world defines love is like that. It's what you want the most. It's the most important thing to you, right? That's what you want the most. I want brisket more than I want tacos. And if you know me well, that's saying something. But we've seen love redefined. Not just so much about what you want the most, but a whole different thinking about love. I'll tell you a quick story. I have been um, uh, playing music for a long, long time. I've always been kind of a musician. In, in seminary, my buddy Chandler and I uh, started this little band called Boy Wonder. And it was this uh, silly little band that we kind of did a couple of acoustic guitars with our friend Jill, and she played like a djembe, and we'd go around and play youth events and concerts and all this stuff. And it was really kind of a silly, silly thing for us to do, but we had a good time doing it. And uh, we named it Boy Wonder, uh, because Boy Wonder is the sidekick to what great superhero? Right, and we thought we could be a sidekick for Jesus, right? That we wanted to be about being like Jesus' sidekick. Jesus is Batman doing his thing, and, and we just get to stand kind of the side as Boy Wonder doing our thing, called to be in this ministry. And, and we played all over the place. We got camps, retreats, concerts. We were most well-known for a couple songs. One is uh, as a song about Cheerwine, go figure. It was a joke song that we wrote at the end of the album just for fun, and it's really silly, but we actually um, hit up Cheerwine about it, and their exec executive vice president uh, wanted to use the song for their like Cheerwine ads, uh, and then their lawyers told them no because it was unsolicited material. How cool is that? I, I felt like that was kind of a win for me. <laughs> lawyers said no. I'm pretty sure he just was trying to let me down easy, but whatever. But our, our big song that we had, if you have a big song when you're two acoustic guitars and a djembe playing Lutheran stuff, was a song called No Spittin' in Church. I kid you not, No Spittin' in Church. And it talked about the, really, the strong importance of being able to just sort of be yourself in church. This album is actually still on Spotify. If you really want to, if you're like terribly bored one day, you can look up Boy Wonder, all one word, all lowercase. It's not the rap guy. So you'll know it's the right thing if you don't. If you pull up rap and it's, that's not it. But one of my favorite songs on that whole album, one of my favorite songs is a song on that album called Undying Love. Undying Love. And I loved it because it had a line in it that was absolutely, I think somebody said it to me when I was doing some ministry stuff somewhere, and I just thought it was a brilliant line. And so we made a song out of it. And it said, we don't have to live like God doesn't exist. We don't have to turn away from God's undying love. Let me say that again. We don't have to live like God doesn't exist. We don't have to turn away from God's undying love. See, Paul is coming out in this letter to make sure that we hear that loud and clear. That we don't have to live like God doesn't exist. He says it over and over. He plays out scenarios of what would happen if there had been no resurrection. He's trying to help them understand from a logical standpoint what this ultimately means. That if Jesus wasn't raised, then neither will we be. And all of this would be foolishness. And we could be sleeping in on Sunday mornings or getting some donuts and coffee. There are some really good donuts in this town. I have no idea. I just hear that. <laughs> Or for that matter, we could just be partying all the time, right? Living at the expense of others. It doesn't really matter, right, that we care for one another. We don't have to love one another. We could just kind of go about our business if the whole Jesus thing was a facade. And living in the moment because, right, that's just all we've got. But then he says, but Christ has been raised from the dead. So, therefore, we don't have to live like God doesn't exist. Somebody say amen. 
That's easy, right? Now, wait a minute. Now, y'all know I'm doing full contact sermons, which means you've got to respond to me or else the sermon will be like 10 minutes too long. All right? It's easy, right? It's logical, right? I mean, Jesus has been raised. He's the first of the great harvest. So why would we act any other way? I think I've got an idea. I, I think I've got an idea why. Our girls, we, we just learned that they actually have glasses. These are things that you find out as a foster parent, like, later. You don't, you don't find that out until they're like, oh, I have glasses. And both of them put on glasses, and all of a sudden, now they can read. You know, it's like, it, we, we had no idea. Like, I can't see the words, Dad. What do you mean you can't see the words? And I, well, I need my glasses. We found out they're farsighted, which means they can't see close-up objects well. Where are my farsighted people? Raise your hand, you're farsighted. Any farsighted people here? Just a couple here and there, a little bit embarrassed about that, that's all right. So reading, seeing detail up close is hard without glasses. Others have a different problem. Some are nearsighted, which means they can't see far things well. And some of us are short-sighted, and that's a whole different problem. Yeah. But what Paul wants people to have is 20-20 vision. He wants them to have 20-20 vision. He wants them to see things that are near by understanding what's far away. Does that make sense? He wants us to see things that are near by understanding what's far away. He wants us to keep the wholeness of the story of Jesus in mind when we're dealing with our daily life. See, we have a tendency as God's people to be kind of nearsighted. We only see things close up. We get immersed in the now and we forget about the then or even what happened then. We just get stuck in the now. We forget what God has done. We forget what God is yet going to do and we just get stuck in the now. If you've ever had that point in your life, say amen. It takes us off our game. Somehow starts to get in the way of the wholeness of the story. I did this little, uh, we do these little Sunday sneak peek videos, and, and um, I did this one this week, and I was talking about being in the car. Are y'all like me when you get in the car, and you, uh, even though you kind of know where you're going, you go ahead and put on the GPS just to make sure that, like, there's not some crazy traffic thing that's going to mess you up going across town? Where are my people? Say, yep. All right, thank you. That's my people right there. So every time I get in the car, I always set my GPS up, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I don't know, navigate me to the whatever, and then, and then, and then, and then I start going. And in, in my going, most of the time, 95% of the time, no issues. I can get right where I want to go, and it's not a problem. But there are some times where I start to run into, like, roadblocks. Right, and we were driving in downtown Raleigh, and I was like, okay, Google, navigate me to the whatever. And we're driving through downtown Raleigh. All of a sudden, we come up to this festival, and the roads are closed, and we can't get past it. And there's like a barrier there. And we're like, we don't know where we're going. We don't know ultimately how long it's going to take to get there, but we know we can't go this way. So we had to adjust our going to a different direction, turn and try to go around the block, and guess what we ran into again on the other side? Boom, another roadblock. So we're like, we have no idea where to go. We're on a one-way street. It'll only let us go this way. The police officer's like, go that way. And we're like, but it's a one-way. How in the world are we supposed to go this way if you're telling us to go this way? And it was absolutely freaking me out, bugging me out. I was like, just tell me how to get where I need to go, Google. And I think we do the same with God. God, where am I going? Navigate me there. Get me there nice and smoothly with no roadblocks in the way. Make that dream become my reality. Put it all out in front of me like I'm walking on the red carpet. God, get me there with no roadblocks. But then we hit roadblocks. God didn't put them there, though. Sometimes roadblocks just happen. But it doesn't mean that the way the GPS is taking me is wrong. Sometimes it just means that I have to adjust my journey. Anybody with me on that one? Mm. 
And when I do, <laughs> God says, recalculating. <laughs> See, Paul wants the church then in this church now, this one we're sitting in right now, to see that God has always been faithful. Always. And that God has always been at work. One of my favorite stories in all of Scripture is in Joshua. Yeah, preach. I'm talking about it, right? Joshua chapter 6. Open up to Josh chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. I call him Josh for short because, you know, we boys. And it says this, verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. So they're staring at these walls. This is the Israelites that Joshua's carrying them on this journey. This is the first major issue that they come into, right? And I kept thinking about this when I, when I, when I said the walls. No one went in and no one got out. Thick walls. Holding everybody in holding everybody out. And I kept thinking about walls in our lives. Thick walls. Walls that you can't see over that are so annoying that you're thinking, why in the world would Pastor Matt put a wall up in the middle of this thing? Because now I can't see Ashley Cook. And if I'm standing right here, I lost the whole Hunt family. They could be getting coffee right now. I have no idea. Walls that you can't walk through, that keep you from moving forward, from getting from one place to another. For all of you sitting here, the one that keeps you from seeing what's on the screen. Walls are annoying. Drive us crazy. No one went in. No one came out. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. <laughs> Pay close attention to the case here. I'm a, I'm a language guy. Any language people out there, they really like the way that the language works, the speech communications majors? No, just me. That's not really a major anymore. Whatever. <laughs> Pay attention to the case. God didn't say, I will deliver Jericho to you. God said, I have already delivered it into your hands. How often? Do we stand at the base of the walls that are stuck in our lives and we say the exact same thing? Will? He will deliver? Maybe? We get stuck at the base of those walls and we forget that God has already delivered the city to us. How often do we stand there and say, but, but Lord, it's too high. The wall's way too high. I can't, I can't see over it. I can't get past it. I can't get through it. This is one I'll never break through. But God sees it differently. Verse 3. This is God speaking. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. <laughs> when you hear them, excuse me, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Ah! And then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. For real? Could you imagine if these were the instructions that you were given? To stand at the base of the wall, walk around the city, walk around the city, and now we're not even worried so much about the, the, the fighting people. We want to bring the priest out who have ram's horns. And then afterwards, I'm going to tell you to shout, and you're going to shout, ah! 
and the walls are going to come down. I got to tell you, if that were me, I'd be like, <laughs> what? It sounds crazy. This is not what you teach armed forces about how to take any military people in here. This, this is not, this is not, we've got some military, this is not quite how they would, they would send you into a place, right? I want you to go to that place where they've got higher ground on you, and you're just going to walk around it six times, and on the seventh day, you're going to shout and blow horns, right? Could you imagine if this was the directive, right? You'd be like, uh, sir, I have a question about the directive. Over. <laughs> Shouting trumpets? God wants Joshua and the people, listen to this, to walk around. Because God wants them to see what God is about to accomplish. He wants them to see everything that's about to fall. He wants them to take in every single detail. He wants them to note every single brick, every single thing that's in their way. He wants them to see it so he knows every detail. And so as Joshua takes those armies around and everybody's looking up at all of those walls, he's saying, this is what I'm about to accomplish in you, in your life. I've already delivered this to you. I want you to see what I'm about to do. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord, and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and that the Ark of the Lord covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets, and at the rear guard followed the ark. At this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua said to command the army, Don't give a war cry. Don't raise your voices. Don't say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. I can only imagine the conversations around the campfires. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching with the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The army, the army went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord. It sounded like that, but save the, the war cry for a second, little one. It's, it's scripture. I didn't make it up. While the trumpets were kept sounding, so on the second day, and by the way, can I pause for a second and say how awesome it is that we have kids in worship here? Amen. Man, shout out, kids. Run around, dance in the aisles here. Just don't spit in church. There's a song about it. <clears throat> so on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Brothers and sisters, six days. I can't imagine what they're going through, walking around the walls, staring at the walls, being frustrated about how high they are, how insurmountable they are. I wonder if they started to doubt what God was doing. Standing at the base of the walls, I know I would. I wonder if they started to think that maybe Joshua was crazy. Did you really, did you really hear the voice of God, Joshua? Did you really talk to God and this is what God said to do? We got to carry this big box around, blowing trumpets, looking like silly people at the base of these walls. They could pick every one of us off if they wanted to from there. Throw some stones, arrows, I don't know, but we are in a bad position here, Joshua. The walls, so high, so many bricks. And not one has moved an inch. Six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, 
Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is walking around your walls with you. Not so that you'll feel defeated by them, but so that you can see what's about to fall. So that you can see every single detail. So that when you see that frustration get flipped upside down, when you see that loss and doubt and grief get turned upside down, you can see what God has already done for you. When the trumpet sounded in verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. This is what resurrection life is all about. It's about remembering what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but in fact, Jesus was raised. Jesus is the first brick to fall in those walls. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So instead of focusing on the wall, may we start looking about how God is going to bring down the walls. Jesus was the first of the harvest of what it is to come. We know that to be true, so we don't have to live like God doesn't exist, like God's not going to bring down our walls. We get to live like God has already delivered them to us. So so that when we stand in front of those walls and we look up at every single brick, we know that one brick has already started to fall. We see the resurrection start to happen and we know that no wall can stop our Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. I have a good friend. How much time I got? I got a minute. How much? I, I, so I got a good friend that was going through... Um, uh, pastoral processes, all right? So this is like all the processes you do, you go through a master's degree and a candidacy process, and some of y'all in here know what that's like and know that it's just, it's a difficult time, amen, my pastor's over here, right? It's a tough time, it, it just takes a lot of time. And so he was waiting for like a year for his first call, and, and my man was just, I mean, he was just feeling like maybe he wasn't meant for this. He was struggling. And it seemed like the wall was just absolutely insurmountable. And we had a lot of conversations as we were walking through this. And, and, um, and God taught me something in these conversations with him that, that, I, that I want to tell you about. You've heard the phrase, count your blessings. Amen, somebody? Amen? You've heard this phrase. It's awesome. It's a fantastic witness in our lives to remember what God is doing continuously, right? To count our blessings. But when we were talking, I said, man, what if you started counting your resurrections? What if you started looking for the places in your life where you saw death, but then you started to see some new life come forth? Instead of just the blessings that sort of keep us in the now, all the things that sort of currently surround us, what if we started thinking about the resurrections that God has already done and let those then form our vision for what God is about to do? Start counting our resurrections. Light the Fire is this um, great thing that, uh, that Jeff, our youth director, does up at the Providence campus on Wednesday nights. It's for our middle school kids. It's so cool. It's such a fun time. Well, we have like 30-some kids this time. Yeah, when we got a hold of this a couple years ago, we had eight, right? The Lord is blessing that in an incredible way. Let's lift a praise to God for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's God renewing. That's God bringing some resurrection. When it started back up uh, this past week, we were talking about love. 
And, and Jeff had us in some small groups and asked some questions. The first one, he said, when have you felt love? And they had great answers. It was like, I feel love here in this place. I feel love in my family. I feel love in my youth group. I feel love in my school with my friends. It was fantastic. And then he asked a deeper question. Now, this one was much harder. He said, now, how will you show love this year? Now, what do you think they answered? I'm going to need some help here. What do you think they answered? What kind of ways would they show love in their lives? This is middle schoolers. Get, just give me some ideas here. Raise a hand. Somebody say something. What you got? Anybody? Help what? Help a bully. Uh, yeah, help a bully kid. That's great. Good. What else we got over here? Anything? Volunteer. Volunteer. That's fantastic. All right. What else we got? Make the world a better place, right? Uh, bring our light into the world. And we said, good, good. That's fantastic. Now make it more specific. Um, I'll help the world at my school. Okay, good. Let's be more specific. Um, I will be nice to my friends. Okay, good. Now let's be more specific. Who? in your life. We pushed them to talk about real life answers. Who are you gonna be nice to? Which kid is being bullied? Say their name and stand up for them. Find those places in your life where God's put a circle of influence around you, where you get to speak resurrection life into the death that surrounds you. What situations are around you that need life spoken into them? How you can affect the world is not about how you can affect the world hundreds of miles away. It's about how you can affect the world one foot in front of you. That's our calling. So Church Christ South, no more generalized answers. Amen? When we think about how we want to affect and change the world, there are people around you waiting right now, looking at those walls, insurmountable. I can't see over them. I can't go through them. There's no way they're going to come down. And you know that the first brick has already fallen. You know that Jesus was raised from the dead. That resurrection, hope, and promise is what is to come. And so this world does not get to have the last say, the last word, because we know the end of the story is much different. They're walking, trudging through life, work, difficult relationships, brothers and sisters. You have the gift of 2020 vision to share that vision. So go speak life into those situations of death. Go speak love into situations of brokenness around you. Go speak resurrection into death, pain, loss, and grief. Tell others what you already know that God brings down the walls. And then witness the explosion when the walls start to fall down. Watch the walls start to fall and say, we knew this would happen. Amen. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I asked a question in that little preview video. I said, is Jesus, this relationship with Jesus about the journey or is it about the destination? And of course, most people might say, well, it's about the destination. We're trying to get to heaven. We say, oh, no, we want to really shake it up because it's just about the journey. You know, we're just trying to figure out our way. And that's really the point of this whole thing. And Jesus says, no, it's both. It's life here, abundant, and it's knowing that the resurrection promise is true for you. God gave you the gospel, brothers and sisters, the 2020 vision, but it's not just for you. It's to help the world, the relationships around you, people in your circle, the people that you're going to get to see walls fall in their lives, standing in front of the city, frustrated, waiting and hoping for something good. To live life knowing that God 
does exist. And brothers and sisters, the harvest has already begun. There's a lot of walls out there. Y'all ready? Amen. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks. We know that you are true. We know that you are at work in our lives. And Lord, we know that as difficult as it is, you take down the walls in our lives. In the midst of walking around those walls, Lord, we see so many bricks piled up so high, and they frustrate us, and we stare at them and wonder how in the world they could ever be coming down. But you take down those walls, and as we walk, we get to see what you're doing in our lives. So, Lord, may you be given honor and glory and praise forever. May you be lifted up in all that we say and do. And may you, Lord, bring a circle of influence around us that we might be a blessing to others. That that 2020 vision would be something we could speak into the lives of the people around us. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.